This is episode 9 of Blindside Sports. I'm Emmett Douglas, and before we get to this episode, man, I, you know, decided to do an intro. In this episode, we uh, talk with, hold on, I got pauses. We talked to uh, Chris Perfett, technical producer of Fox Sports Radio, uh, your adequate Predator Detroit host, and I really enjoyed the conversation. Uh, what you guys gotta do? Follow me on Twitter, EmmettNosy04, BlindsidePod11, Instagram, EmmettNosy. Follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Perfett. Uh, <clears throat> um, like this pod or they say YouTube. Well, this might be on YouTube, but uh, share this podcast with your friends. Download it, follow it, turn noties on because without that, I'm nothing. All right, this podcast is nothing. And if you guys are new to this, because I'm sure with me interviewing Chris, there's gonna be a lot of newcomers. Hey, make sure you do that stuff. Share it with your friends. Follow me on my social medias. It'll be great. Uh, this is an interview with Chris Perfett. Roll it. All right. All right. And we're on. What's up, guys? This is episode nine of Blindside Sports. I'm Emmett Douglas. We're back with another interview. Last week, we had Brian Fenley on, and we have one of his colleagues on today. Uh, he's a Fox Sports Radio tech producer on the weekend overnights. Does a great job over there. He's your adequate host of the Pride of Detroit podcast. He writes columns. He streams on Twitch. He does it all. He's not perfect. He's perfect, as Eddie Garcia would say. Chris Perfett joining us on the podcast today. Chris, thanks for coming on, man. Oh, the, the joke is always there with that name. The joke is always there with that yep. name. I always, I play it up. I, I remember I was going to do a newsletter one year calling it Perfect Game, and I just decided I had too much pride for that crap. <laughs> so, yeah. But thanks yeah. for having me on, Emmett. This is actually... You know, we've known each other for a few years now as like, obviously you've listened to a lot of what I do and it's been yep. pretty cool to get to know you and really excited to see what you're doing here with, uh, with all of this. Yeah. Uh, just, you know, a couple things. We're going to plug the social medias, follow me on Twitter at EmmettNosy04, or you can follow the show at BlindsidePod11, or you could go and follow Chris on Twitter at Chris Perfett, C-H-R-I-S-P-E-R-F-E-T-T. Um, you can follow him on Twitter, like his uh, Pride of Detroit work at Pride of Detroit. And that is heard everywhere your podcasts will be heard, right? You're on yes, iHeart. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it, it shows up on the iHeart uh, spot. Hold up. I have the whole spiel in my head from what we do at every every POD cast. Uh, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iTunes, uh, iHeart Radio. I think we cut out the Stitcher thing. But either way, it's on, you know, podcasts get picked up everywhere. I, yep. I can tell you about the technology of it all, but it doesn't matter. All people know is like, you'll, you'll find it. It is spigoted into your face right out of the faucet of the internet that is not stopping yes sir Uh, the uh, agenda for this podcast chris is i'm gonna dive into your story kind of like what i did with brian last week if you checked it out and then we're gonna uh, talk about some nfl some detroit lines i know you don't want to talk about that that was pretty uh that was pretty bad yesterday man Uh, Uh, i enjoyed it i enjoy sloppy bad football i know the steelers fans are mad about it but like look the lions didn't lose but that was uh, yeah that's that's the thing with that game is (laughs) That was such a weird game because Jared Goff, like, he really didn't do much, like, you know, throwing wise. It was all run. Like, that's. Oh, no, <laughs> no. Like, I think it was by design. So, I mean, not to jump the gun into this too much, but like, I know earlier in that game, Jared Goff did strain his oblique or something. So, yep. it was kind of by design. It was the first game that Dan Campbell took over play calling duties. 
And I know his whole philosophy is he wants to fight through the trenches and Swift, DeAndre Swift, their running back hadn't really been gotten involved too much on the ground. So yeah, Jared Goff ends that day with like 77 net yards because he keeps getting these awful sacks, but, and 77 of those yards, like there's a lot of yards after completion in that as well. Um, I, I would say to anyone interested in this deep dive, which I don't know as many people, but like there's expected an air chart. There's like air yards, uh, stats and, and charts and next gen charts, which shows you the depth of completions that he's making. And it's not, it's not great, but at the same time, I think I'd rather have that over what Mason Rudolph did in that game, which is just turned oh, all over. Yeah. He had at first I tweeted it. I, you know, me, Chris, from my tweets, I jinxed mm-hmm. literally everything. I was like, okay, this isn't a bad start for Rudolph. <laughs> like two minutes later, interception. I'm like, well, well come on. Like, yeah, I, this is, I, I, I wasn't too much Arnie or something, dude. Like I, I literally, yeah. Arnie Spaniard, that one, out of the uh, park, too. And all I'm going to say is I'm glad you guys didn't lose because that tweet I put out right after Big Ben got COVID, I said, this one, like, you know, something along the lines of the Lions actually might win for once. And you guys didn't lose. Well, we didn't win, so, but we didn't lose. We didn't yeah, lose. No, so, I, yeah. I, and again, part of that happened, like, as always, there's a lot with this season. But, you know, we'll, we'll talk about this a little later. But, like, I mean, hell, like, this has been such a weird Lion season. If it doesn't take you know, a Viking sicker making a career long or Justin Tucker nailing, like bouncing one off the uprights for another career long kick or Ryan Santoso actually gets the kick off. It's very different. Uh, narrative. Oh, yeah. it's, it's why, yeah. it's why I, I, it's, it's why I've kind of been very careful about, you know, narrative off of an instant win loss. I, I feel like there's always something deeper to dive into. And I, I believe best stories are those that, people just don't grab right off the surface. So, I mean, we, and that's something we do with pride to Detroit because it's easy to look at what the lions have done so far and just start dumping on them. It's like, you're losing, you suck. You've always will suck. That's always been the legacy. Oh, of there's Detroit. Van Jefferson. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, that's always been the, that's always been the, the, the uh, legacy of Detroit sports media. And it's not that we're being slap happy over at pride to Detroit, but I feel like, I try to provide narratives that aren't that you're just, it's, it's, it's not going to be that, that, that just such reductive. Like I I've, I've had these conversations about how we talk about quarterbacks, how we talk about different things in football and football is my favorite sport. I know it like the back of my hand. And I think most people just don't talk about football smart. They reduce it to just quarterbacks dueling and stuff like that. And it's like, no, and I'm not asking you to be like an analytics guy, but at the same time, like shit, like, you know, there's a lot going on in a football game. Oh, for sure. I actually agree with that. I'm trying to like, with this, I'm trying to, you know, improve on my skills, you know, not just look at the quarterbacks, put more research into stuff. And, you know, we're going to come back to the football stuff later. Let's dive into your story. Now, just from talking to you on Twitch and Discord and Twitter, you've done a lot. Like you've lived all around the world and now you're with Fox Sports Radio. Uh, So kind of take everyone back to the start and uh, take us back to the start and then you know put that together to where you are now like with I don't Fox I Radio, that's Detroit. that's that's terrifying that's terrifying the idea of me going back to the start I have layers and layers and layers and layers of mistakes <laughs> um <laughs> like I don't I don't like talking about it sometimes which is why like when you We're start not, reaching like out- not like the start of like your rate like your life I, like radio no like, no i i know i know but for me to even get to radio requires me to go through a lot of failures to begin with you know i 
I, I don't, I, I've talked about this on my own podcast. Like I've not had the, the nicest of starts. I, you know, I dropped out after two years of my undergrad of college. And I kind of, that's when I started traveling a little bit and just burning whatever money I had left and the really stupid idea of going up to, to Canada for a while. And I lived back home and, you know, I took a small gig as a carpenter for a while. And I went back and finally got my, you know, degree done, but it was in like web design. Like, I mean, just because I was, I was always told, it's like, oh, you need to make yourself employable. And then, you know, I quickly realized the skill that, that makes myself employable is boring and I'm just going to die if I have to keep doing it. But I, um, I always liked kind of more fanciful approaches and it, 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 it burned me for a very long time. I was looking for something that I could do every day that uh, can also keep me intellectually stimulated every day. And I don't even know if radio is really the answer of that, but I think it was around 20, oh God, 2012, um, you know, when I was finishing up the undergrad that I got, I started doing a, ra a radio show, a music radio show with a friend of mine um, in college. We, we actually got handed down at our college radio station, a heavy metal show. Um, that had been running for about seven years, and we just took it upon us to keep continuing it. And that was the edge, the edge. And uh, we did a lot of fun stuff. My my co-host was a guitarist himself, and there was a lot of us going back and forth between he liked European death metal, and I liked kind of the sludgy underground American sound, like really heavy, distorted stuff. I, 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 my, my first love in, in college was music theory and I wanted to do music theory and I wanted to study stuff like, um, you know, narrative in spoken word and narrative in song. And I wanted to study fucking opera and Shakespeare. And I was a total geek like that. I was a total absolute dork and geek. And I love sci-fi and fantasy and Tolkien and Dune and everything else. But I, uh, so it, it all kind of led me into metal, but then we had a weird twist happen. Um, first I started to find my grip again on baseball. I didn't like sports much growing up. I didn't like sports much growing up. I thought it was just like this, you know, my dad was a huge Notre Dame fan, but I just, I, I had an on and off relation with him and I just kind of didn't like sports, but I think it was, I started watching more of the tigers again. I started watching more of the pistons again, and it led me back here as kind of a way to feel some adrenaline rush. And then when my co-host had to step away for his senior year, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to turn this into some radio show. I mean, into some talk radio show, a lot of sports stuff. Um, that was on at midnight. Nobody listened. But what happened from there was then I grabbed my friend, um, Ross Arison. I know. Ross. I had, yeah, Ross, yeah. Yeah. I stream with Ross, but Ross and I way back, we met each other through of all places, Reddit. Oh, um, wow. The Reddit college. Well, the Reddit college football board, because again, yep. once I got the bug of sports, I started going all over it. Um, I became a moderator on the Reddit college football boards and me and Ross just chatted a lot. He's a, he was a Michigan State fan. Now he got his master's from from the, the Ohio State, Ohio State University. Yep. And like we just hit it off really well. And I just told him out of the day, like, look, man, um, I'm an idiot. I didn't save any of my radio stuff. And here I am at a shitty, you know, web design job, listening to ESPN radio 10 hours of the day, because I love Scott Van Pelt and I love Dan Levitard and I love Freddie Coleman. And I'm listening to this, you know, golden age lineup of national sports talk radio. And I'm listening to, you know, I'm, I'm listening to podcasts from SB nation at the time. Like, 
I want to do something like this. And he's like, all right. And that was the genesis of Make Plays, the college football podcast, which I, I guess is still out there in the ether, but that, that kept me busy for a couple of years. We had some very interesting years. We did see the Michigan, Michigan State uh, block. No, no, wait, that was, that was before the blocked punt game. Um, God, I can't even, we, we, we saw some weird games. We saw some weird games. And then eventually what happened that led me from there was, and I, I'm sorry to keep do this step-by-step of the way. Um, I, I like this. This is interesting. No, yeah. Like, so that was there, but then in the midst of that, I ran out of money. I was living in Savannah. I had to go back home. I started uh, being a carpenter on the side. I was still doing that podcast, but I was losing it a little bit. Um, one of the guys who runs the Reddit college football board wanted to do coverage of their media days. You know, every, co- every conference in college football has media days. And he actually ponied up to send us to uh, first, I went to the mid American conference media day in Detroit. And then we went to the big 10 media day in Chicago. And I met up with Ross there. He's, he was there and we live streamed a lot of that. We interviewed players and we interviewed coaches um, and then I'm up in my hotel room at night. This was 2015. We're in 2015 now. All right. And I saw an applicant and I was just kind of like, you know, this is really cool. But I, my first love was writing before a lot of this stuff. Can I like get back doing some writing? I dug around and I found that the lions blog on pride of Detroit was hiring news writers. So I'm like, all right, shit, I might as well just throw this in there. And, uh, they hired me as a news writer. Well, I say hired, but it was kind of a volunteer gig, but still yeah. I had nothing better to do. A gig's time. a gig. Yeah. Well, the funny thing happened there is that the manager at the time took a job with the University of Michigan Alumni Association, which then led the Pride of Detroit Corps to just forming it. And I just started the podcast from there. But it just my, my career so far has been me plying one thing after another, because that turned into... I want to go get a job in local radio with the Toledo sports radio, who was having me on as a guest at the time for lions coverage. And they eventually hired oh, wow, me. Wow. I didn't know that. Op. That's cool. Yeah. They hired me as a board op over there. Now there's only like three hours of live programming at that point. Toledo's not a great big old market. So it's not like I was on the air or nothing. I was more just doing receivers and technical work. And I started cross training as a broadcast engineer. But then after all those late nights, I decided to, from there, I'm just like, I'm kind of bored here. It, it, this is a repeat thing. It's like, as soon as I get bored, that's only when I start moving. Um, I ended up applying for USC's master program in journalism. And uh, they they brought me in on a scholarship because of my podcast work. Oh, wow. That's so cool. like, yeah, yeah, it was cool. And it was a, finally a chance to get out of Ohio, go back on the road. I came out to California. Um I thought I was done with sports writing at the time. I wanted to do other coverage. I wanted to do economics, business reporting. I wanted to do foreign affairs. I, I love Japan. I love covering Japan. I love covering the politics of Japan um, and, and, the, and East Asia. I, I, you know, I know Brian No on Fox Sports Radio jokes about it all the time. I, you know, I keep up with newspapers from like China and from Japan and from Korea and a little bit from Russia. I try to be pretty well worldly read and... Um, but I still kept falling back into the sports writing trap just because of where they put me in that program. Yeah. But I got the, the, the then I got to meet Rob Parker. Rob so, Parker. <laughs> yeah. I got to meet Rob Parker, who I vaguely remembered Rob from uh, how he bombed out at ESPN and uh, some of the places he's gone before. And obviously his work in Detroit, 
but you know he really encouraged me he really got he really dug how i was writing columns and how i would talk so um he and i formed a quick bond there especially since we could talk about stuff like the pistons yeah um, that's rob stuff and yeah he, he, he about rob parker the, uh yeah i'll say this man every i brian you hearing other people's stories the guy is such a legend you know I think is of the all-time greats in radio, even though it's, some of his takes, man, are just like the Tom Brady take. I mean, no, listen, Rob, Rob belongs to an older, and I mean this with all love and respect. This is me. This is me not being bagging on the guy. I, I come from a family of artists and craftsmen. My mother, while I was while she was pregnant with me, worked in like a, a furniture making factory, and my, you know, every, my my sister does photography. My brother has has creative things i i do creative things so this is more of an artistic critique what i'm about to do and i think more people should get artistic critiques because it helps them deal with criticism it it, it realizes yep. that people are being analytical but like rob is an older generation of sports talk radio where you could throw firebombs out there because at least you had the ability to go out and get those guys afterwards and talk it over with them and it was kind of a it was a bit of kayfabe going on of like rocking back and forth. But, and again, that, that burned Rob a few times, but I'd never thought when Rob got burned, the times that he got burned, be it when, you know, he was, he pissed off Rod Marinelli or when he said the thing that he said on ESPN on first take um, that he was really out of, out there. There was always something to his logic. So, but again, I, the, the reason I went to Rob is that, and this is the one thing I'll say about Rob is that he's one of the most generous people I meet. Oh, and, for sure. And in this business, there are sharks in the water everywhere. And it's one of the reasons why I've always been kind of apprehensive about taking bigger gigs or going to bigger places. I don't, I, I like, I, I, I'm not a shark. I don't, I don't eat people's blood. I don't want to step over bodies to get to where I want to be. And if that's a weakling thing on my part, then so be it. I don't, give a shit i'm not selling my soul like that but rob rob like in his generosity is unparalleled in that like he just he keeps up with people he gives opportunities and he saw me down on my luck after graduation and that's why i ended up at fox sports radio was because of rob parker like i was about ready to pack up and leave los angeles before he got my resume to the right people's hands like I don't, I don't have the best luck seeking out and I don't promote myself that well, which is why I am talking this long with no real like way around it. I'm just talking in goddamn circles, but yeah, I just, it, yeah, it's, it, that's where I'm at right now. So yeah, it's, it's, it's overnights, it's coal mine stuff. It's, it's, but I, I mean, I don't even, I'm just mostly there just to keep the lights going. But I, it's, it's, it's yeoman work and I enjoy yeoman work at the end of the day. And yeah. then I, I express myself personally with, you know, the lions podcast and with the writing and, you know, it's, it's been a weird journey in that regard because I've kind of really questioned myself on where I, I take that one. You know, we start as a fan voice and then we get credentialed and then it's, you know, do I really want to be in this business? And I still don't have those answers. I, I keep my, I keep my, fingers in so many pots it's hard for me to give an answer there yeah that's a uh, good good question and i just want to say this too i feel like just from you know sports media it takes like a lot of failures and you know mistakes if you will or 
getting fired to find that right spot. Like, and I, I don't do ask- failure well though, man. Like that's, that's my problem is like, I've taken some pretty big failures already in my life. And that's kind of why I'm so leery about it right now. I've, I've had some pretty bad toxic relationships on a personal level. Um, I've, I, I, I've had a massive amount of trauma, which I've talked about a little bit before. Right of Detroit. Yep. The Michael. No, I, I, I think I have it still. Yeah. I have that article still. It's, it's still pinned, pinned on your Twitter I, profile. I, yeah. I, I, I might, I can say it here. Like I am a sexual assault survivor. Yeah. Um, that came from my youth. Um, it, that it's, sucks, man. it's but left just... me, it's left me in ways that I've struggled with. I don't take to therapy that well i i i've i've had one of my therapists like threatened to like just get me instant institutionalized just because people don't deal well with a male having like first off it's hard to get people to believe that a male has been raped and then at the same time it's also hard to find that kind of that aid and for me i'm just not someone who likes dealing with people sometimes in in that I am very carefully guarded in that regard. I try not to open myself up. Like this is an age where people like really pour out their secrets. And I've tried to at least keep some secrets to myself at the end of the day, because I, those secrets have kept me safe. Those, those things have kept me safe. But at the same time, like, as I've been saying to you, like I've bombed out of universities, I've lost a lot of money. I've lost opportunities. I've lost you know, chances to keep my, my place secure. And I don't know if it's worth it. And I don't know if I wouldn't do it all over again. I can't say that. And I know that's not to an American. They reel at that. Americans believe in this idea of you just keep failing and failing until you succeed. But like Christ, it sucks. Christ, it fucking sucks. It's all. Yeah. I'm not going to argue there. I can't, I can't recommend it to anyone. You should take the job that keeps your, your, your life secure. You should take the, the path that'll make you and your family secure and at least wealthy enough to live off of, not to destroy the world, but to like, just to, just to be safe and, and to, to carve out a corner to live in like this shit. Like, I mean, maybe one day if it ever pays off, but like, that that's that's survivor bias like there's the, the path and i am well aware of it because i've met so many funny people in my life who have been damned to being day workers and i've met so many insightful people in my life who just can't get out of the the the, the hand that they are dealt survivor bias makes us create these myths about ourselves and i have never been one into it i was raised catholic i went to a jesuit high school i've i become very aware of just how damn how like how damn small we all are individually and americans believe it that they are that their story i i hate this term man you you probably hear it the idea of be the protagonist of your own life that's oh, yeah yep. that's toxic to me that's toxic to me and i know that this means that at the end of the day my shot is long because i don't believe in myself like that but I believe that at least this this vulnerability that I do open up on the parts that I do open up to can at least try to help someone because I I don't like this has been fun. This has been fun what I do, but at the same time I would probably do a lot of things different if you gave me the chance to do it. Yeah, man, I feel, I feel like that's like kind of the thing with life. Like we're, we're going to uh, touch on this real quick and I'm asking more questions. Uh sure. you just kind of have to you know life it throws you curveballs you just have to find out how to adapt to it yeah it sucks but at some point man i mean i i try to look at it positive because when i when i look at stuff negative 
I tend to get super mad, right? Like, like I just, like, I have to kind of look at it positive and I look at a lot of stuff negatively and I just get triggered, man. Like I, like sometimes I get depressed, you know, it's all that, but you know, let's kind of go to some more funny. No, stuff. I, I, I know. I, I understand. I, I, but I think I, yeah, we'll, we'll go to some fun stuff. I just, it, it's not that I don't get mad or anything. It's just, this is the way of it. And I just, I can't put on those fake faces anymore. Like, hey, we, just, yeah. It, but I, but I also think that that's what helps sells me to the audience perverse as that is, is that I'm not going to just pave over it or believe in a mythology. Yeah. And I feel like that's, you know, it, it's kind of cool to have like, you be real on here because you know i'm sure i could bring like a bunch of people on and they kind of have this personality but you're showing your real self and i respect that um you've worked at fox sports radio a couple years now and andy Furman, what is your favorite drop what's your favorite andy drop so for for those who might not be aware andy Furman is one of the longtime hosts of fox sports radio and i've worked with him on the weekend for uh for those years um he says a lot of silly things. Yep. <laughs> um, oh God, he's, he said some stuff lately that I need to go and, uh, and, and clip out from him again and turn into drops off of the wall. But I think my favorite, the, the moment where I really got acquainted to Andy, where I got acquainted to his style on the air, because clearly I did not see him in the height of his powers when he was working with, um, with Mike North. And we're being really inside baseball here about the actual media itself, but um, I think it was when he yelled at, I forget who he yelled at. It was the update anchor at the time. Fenley, was really, probably. I don't, I don't remember, but he was needling him and needling and needling him. And all of a sudden Andy breaks in, not quite at length and, and just hollers, I'm going to smack you from here until tomorrow. Yep. yep. And Love that. I, uh, that, that was, that was, that, that was a pretty good moment for Andy. Andy is actually a very, sweet man he's a very uh sensitive man he's a very he's very worried about how things look so but like again those are kind of the masks that old guys like that wear on the air that they that they're like this is the persona i have to give up where i'm just going to just holler at you like this <laughs> yeah they're like i saw those drops man like the ones that you played during a pro wrestler or porn star are just crazy mm-hmm. to me like and like there's some of them you're like how how did he even say this like it's all the stuff he just says is so crazy to me but um i, just well, I think i think that's the key is like there's there's a long-standing tradition in the pride i mean excuse me in the fox sports radio uh production bay of people and it started with jonas who i've had the pleasure yeah. working with for a while of like just you you find things people say and you take it out of context like you know i was just doing a show with ben the ben maller show the other night and there was quite a little bit of talk about cut dick and everything we cut off a caller <laughs> oh, yeah, called dick, dick and dayton, dayton. yeah <laughs> and we cut off a caller named dick and dayton and like in the middle of him giving a goodbye dick and won't be denied all of a sudden all of a sudden yeah that turns into a joke i mean that one's a little more forced but sometimes it's unforced stuff or sometimes it's just stuff that like because when you talk for a living you just don't oh, think about what you're out. doing yep. yeah especially like to get to your point so yeah yeah some of those drops on the ben maller show are funny like eddie like it's so big you know it's like hard to wrap your mouth like they're just so out of context and speaking of out of context uh a couple more questions about work uh at fox i'm asking you a predator detroit question um jonas knox what is your favorite moment of working with jonas knox if you guys don't know jonas knox is a fox sports radio host 
very underrated. Not he. I'm so glad he got what he deserved with the two pros and a cup of Joe gig. Like he should have been on, you know, a full time gig a while ago. And very nice guy. And he hates when you ball wash him, like or if you compliment him. He it makes him cringe. So he's if Jonas, if you're listening, you're probably not. But if you are, I know you're gonna hate this because. You know, we're, we're going to yeah, compliment I, I you. I mean, but... I, I, I'm going to try to do what I can because I, I think I, I know you're a fan of Fox Sports Radio. I try to keep the papal seal on a lot of silence on a lot of things. Again, Catholic. So um, I'll try to share with what I can just because like, I don't like, I, I, I believe th- this is always something I believe too when I was doing Fox, I mean, Pride of Detroit. Like I'd never wanted to like imitate someone too hard or like talk about, what other people were doing. Cause that's just, just at least on pride Detroit, there was always a shadow cast over Detroit sports radio landscape from uh, a particular radio station there about what they do and what they say. And just at some point you have to get away from it and think about yourself and your own brand. And that's, that's kind of why we've, I've had some people who've talked to me before. It's like, what about this guy in Lions Twitter? Or what about this guy who does this kid who does YouTube stuff? And I'm like, yeah, that's <clears> cool. But I mean, I'm trying to talk about myself here. <laughs> kind of, it's 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 a little bit of selfishness. But again, because I'm trying to, I am a rat trying to claw up a wall and carve a corner for myself. I don't really think about that too much. But to your question about Jonas, the one thing I will share about Jonas, uh, favorite moment in there. Um, Hmm. Uh, well, okay. Let me think that one's under papal seal. That one's under papal seal. Um, something that we can ha- all hear on the radio or you know, right. a segment, like, no, I want you to get like personal and share stuff. No, that- no, no, no. I know. I know. I know. I'm just, I'm just thinking off the top of my head. Cause also at the same time, I believe in being a good entertainer. Um, <clears throat> give me one second. I'm starting to cough. I would say the big thing from Jonas would be that uh, before the pandemic, uh, when he came into the studio still, there was always that the studio booth. So for those not aware of how radio is set up, we have like glass, uh, glass enclosed studios um, for the hosts. And then there's one for the control room where I and the producer sit. And there's a update studio anchor studio where, someone like where one of the update anchors would reside. Those are all separated for whatever reason. Uh, uh, environmental control for the studio is always on the, for these. Yeah. Studio, I, I know where you're going. It's always <laughs> on the fritz and Jonas always had trouble just sweating when he would get in there. <laughs> and like, but I've been in there sometimes and like, I have felt it too, where it's just, you'll, you'll get in there at like 10 PM and you're just sweating your ass off. But then at like three in the morning, the AC is blowing so damn hard. You're worried it's going over the air. And like, again, I'm worried I'm going to get in trouble now because I'm kind of talking about the equipment at Fox sports radio studios, but you know, that's just kind of the, the state of it. It's like, it's the, it's not like Ben Maller and Eddie Garcia rip them all the time, man. You're I, I think you're fine. No. And I've seen, I've seen some weird things. And even today, like I know we were hinting about um, some other equipment failure on one of the shows, but uh I know, you know, I've seen some weird stuff in that studio. Like I've seen the bat. Oh, that was so funny. That was (laughs) one of the weirder nights I've worked when all of a sudden I turn around and there's a bat flying over our producer's head. Yeah. Yeah. That was interesting, but I I know where you're going with this Jonas thing. Continue. And then. No, that's it. That's, that's like just him him sweating a lot, having to wipe back down. Yeah. He would say that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a drop. I, I, yeah. But you know, 
well, enough of Fox Sports Radio. Let's, you're an NFL guy. You're a Lions guy. So I have to ask you, what are your, you know, so the Detroit Lions, they're in a big rebuild, I feel like. And kind of highlight, if you were in the general manager's chair, if you're in that office, what would be your big things to improve in the offseason? Well, if you ever gave me it, so, I mean, my big sports, yes, are football and uh, soccer. And I'm doing, I've been gearing up a lot more because World Cup's coming up. But um, uh, here, here's, here's the thing. Here's, here's, here's the trap you've stepped me into. Because on one hand, I want to answer you. On the other hand, I've said this many times. The thing I hate most is trying to play general manager. I don't believe that I'm smart, as smart as people to, again, it's that humility. It's the, it's the. Fans, I think, want to have control over these these teams, but I've always been left with with the prayer about Lord, like you know, give me the wisdom to understand what I can't control. And I've never wanted that GM chair. That said, though, for the Lions, they have a big draft coming up. The price of the Stafford trade wasn't Jared Goff; it was it was like two first round draft picks from the Rams. And I understand they're late in the round, but even like if you pick someone around 29th in the NBA draft, you're looking for a guy who's going to be a marginal rotational guy. If you're picking 29th in the NFL draft, you are still getting a starter. You're still getting someone who can start and play well and everything else. And I mean, hell, even into the day two, the second round, the third round, you can get starters. So those picks matter a lot. We can get superstars too. Like it. Yeah. They NFL draft is something else they matter. I don't think you're going to get like MVPs or all-stars that late out there, but I mean, the lions are going to be bookending this draft very much. So they're going to be picking late with the, with the Rams pick and they're going to be picking very early with their, and that's going to probably happen for a couple of years. It's going to be a couple of years on the Schneid. And I think lions fans don't realize what a rebuild is right now. I don't even think a lot of people realize what a rebuild is looks like in the NFL right now, because this is a league that, is very much so about the moment right now. Nobody really takes long look pictures, which has led to some people like just really spending a lot of time and ink on Jared Goff, even though I've always thought that he's just a holdover. He's a stopover. He's a contract. You you had, on that one. He's a contract you had to eat coming out of Los Angeles. You at least wanted to like play him this year to see what you had with him. But I think the book's written on them at that point. I don't want to disparage the guy. He can always turn it around, but at the same time, like, he, does, he just hasn't played well. So at some point, they'll get a quarterback. The problem is, is you look to the draft, and there's not really that clear guy like a Trevor Lawrence in that draft. Guys like Spencer, Spencer Rattler went off the radar entirely. Sam Howell, I think, is still a good quarterback, but he hasn't exactly turned head heads. Even some of the guys like Carson Strong and, Des, and uh, Malik Willis, who were kind of marginal guys at the start of the year, haven't really stepped up to become a clear number one. And now you're even seeing guys like Desmond Ritter showing up um, and uh, the kid out of Pittsburgh, who I forget his name, but you've, there's a multitude of them, but there's none. Unless you have a clear cut guy, you don't really want to spend it. You don't want to spend yourself in limbo like the Cleveland Browns did for so many years. But what the lions do need is multiple big needs, especially on defense, especially in the trenches. They've got some good defensive tackles now, but they haven't exactly had an edge rusher of premier quality in a very long time. Even those great defenses in 2014 for the Detroit Lions, that was pressure coming up the middle from Ndamukong Sue, and that was a linebacker core with DeAndre Levy. It wasn't coming from defensive ends. 
like Ezekiel Alonso was probably their best one. And even then he didn't turn into anything. No. Yeah. So to get a guy like Aiden Hutchinson or Kayvon Thibodeau would be really cool. But I, I, I really believe in this and that <clears throat> I, I, people, I think put positional need too high when best player available is the way these go. And it just so happens that best player available always happens at the positions of need anyway, because those are the ones that everyone needs. Everyone needs wide receivers and everyone needs good ed- edge rushers. And maybe you can forget about offensive tackle this year, just because you've got Panay Sewell and Taylor Decker and Frank Ragnow under center. Maybe you can forget I'd about offensive Frank Ragnow. That guy, Frank Ragnow might, before he got hurt, was probably the best player on the Lions roster. Like, <laughs> yeah, I think people understand, like, there is a lot of good, a lot of good on this offensive line. It has the potential to be one of the best offensive lines in the NFL in a few years time. And the the consternation was always with what do you do with Panay Sewell? He's a left tackle and Taylor Decker is a left tackle. But one of the big revelations coming out of uh, the Steelers game was that Panay Sewell can play on the right side very well. He dealt with TJ Watt and Taco Charlton. So like, I mean, you've got some hope and, and, and faith there to really work with. And that's a good foundation. That's a good foundation. You can, and and it's not always through the draft too. I, I think people don't realize this, but the NFL is now a more free agency driven league than ever. Like you don't always have the, the room to sign big guys all the time, but certainly guys aren't like, you know, say the, you know, someone who I worked with Lincoln Kennedy, Lincoln Kennedy spent most of his career with, yeah. Lincoln Kennedy spent most of his career with the Oakland Raiders. He spent, yeah, he was drafted by the Falcons, but he spent, I believe, would have been like uh, six, seven year, eight years with the with the yeah, Raiders. It was eight. So, like guys, and I know he's talked about this before. That you don't have those kind of guys anymore. Guys change locations quite a bit, and it's hard to get them to come to Detroit. But that's part of the culture change that Dan Campbell has to make. He kind of has to, and he's turned heads. He's turned heads with a with a never with the never quit attitude, with the keep fighting. He doesn't seem to be aware of, you know, I, I know it was, a, it was something even the, the beat writers in Detroit asked him before the season, like, Hey, you know, are you, you know, what, what do you, th- I, I think we, I, we talked about this with Jamal Williams on our podcast, actually a running back. It's like, what do you, you know, you, you deal with all these fans who are talking about negative stuff and Jamal just smiles and he gives us the word positive competition. He doesn't, we, as fans like to create narratives and we like to create this idea that this team is bad and they will always be bad. This team was good and they are always good. And thus we should defer to the Cowboys and crap on the Browns. Well, (laughs) the Browns happen to be going to the playoffs again. And yeah, the Cowboys are good this year, but things change last year. Not really, but the Cowboys were injured. Yeah. Yeah. But like, again, things change every year in the NFL. There is no ghosts in the NFL. I I've, I've, I take this from Talladega Nights. If you ain't first, you're last. Like, I know that's not, that's not the best way to look at it, but at the same time, like I, I you should never, be, there is no such thing as a blue blood in the NFL. And there's no such thing as being a forever loser in the NFL. The Lions have had a long card being dealt with, but they can be rebuilt just like anyone else. Like the Saints used to be the most woebegone franchise out there. The Atlanta Falcons used to be completely forgotten. The Cleveland Browns, after they were stolen to Baltimore, were were a just a, a joke. And even before that, the Baltimore Colts, before they went to Indianapolis, 
was run by a drunkard who like was an awful run organization. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers were a terrible organization for a very long time. Like fortunes can change your, your uh, New England Patriots, the goddamn New England Patriots were seen as a butt of a joke. Yeah. Like fortunes change. Fortunes change all the time. Never believe that the lowest, never believe that the lowest piece will remain the lowest piece. Oh, never believe that the king will always be crowned. Don't believe in heroes because they might end up being rapists. Like, no, be, be cautious, be wary, always be ready for new information, new turns. Maybe that's part of my career too, is like, I don't, I don't worship the same heroes as other people too. Like I don't, I don't have these same, and that's what helps me cover the lions, I think. And I think that's ho- hopefully this is a roundabout way to answer your question. Yeah, that, that was a good take. A uh, good, good question or, or sorry, good answer. I can't talk today. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, I go uh, on journeys. I apologize. No, but that, that was, I, I like the insightfulness of your answers. And uh, I, I tend to agree with you on the rebuild thing because, you know, we have these teams who just, sometimes they'll flat out stink and then the next year you know they're doing something good and you know the thing is is i'm in a this is gonna sound really weird but i'm in a facebook group for the seattle seahawks because i'm a seahawks fan if you guys don't know right right and right now obviously we're not doing good russell's been hurt you know and a lot of these fans have and you know i'm guilty of this because i've i'm younger but and i started getting a football when the seahawks like we're good but I'm not too mad about us, you know, not doing good this year, but God, some of these people in these groups are just pissed and triggered and just going on these like crazy rants. Like, like there, some of these people are so bipolar, like uh week one, they're all like, I love Russell Wilson. Yeah. Yeah. Keep him for years. And then they'll be like, trade Russell, screw him. This guy sucks. And it's just a lot of people aren't used to it. Like, well, a lot I, people think, aren't I used think to the journey of the NFL. I, 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 I think part of that is, but that's also the fun of sports is to be that kind of knee jerk. One of the things I've noticed as I've covered more soccer is people are like that, but they are far They Nobody seems to quibble with that. That patience is that patience is fine. If you're doing something like a GM or like you're doing like, you know, Swiss ramble where they're looking at like, you know, uh, payroll breakdowns and everything. But if you're a fan look man like it's fun to win it's also fun to complain when someone's losing going through that rigmarole is hard the difference is is when i eventually step to a podcast i have tempered myself to talk about it but in that moment i'm the same kind of person i'm the same kind of i'm the same kind of person and i i i think that's i think that's fine i think only in america do we have this notion of trust the process and rebuild and everything and i mean it it gives me that tolerance to understand what's going on but i don't fault anyone ever talking like that i might think they're kind of silly and i don't want to really you know engage seriously with deeper conversations about it but in that moment like if someone's just hollering about golf sucks or about (laughs) panay sewell gave up a sack or something like i'll i'll understand it i'll let it pass but I, this is always kind of the problem with writing too, is that it kind of like leaves a stain there for in like, you can come back to those comments a week later or whatever, and just yeah. realize how silly they are. Well, that's, that's just a thing with like sports media in general. Like you have mm-hmm. people who it just go on, like I'm not going to name anyone and they'll have this ridiculous take and then it will change a week later. But uh, enough of that. I want to, uh, if you're down, I, yeah. you're, you're very NFL insightful. 
and I'll, uh, you can give your takeaways from week 10. I'll give a couple of mine after that. Uh, go, go ahead, man. What, what were your, uh, hmm, I mean, the problem is 10. the problem is I, I am so locked in on lions on a Sunday. Um, especially when I, you know, I get off work at eight in the morning Pacific and football starts at 10 AM. So I really don't have time to do much other than it can be lines takeaways. I, I shoot. I'm, I mean, I mean, uh, I'll, I'll, put, him, I'll but... put the lions to the side. I'm just kind of skimming down. The thing is that I try to be careful going week to week, just because I I've, I've had this take on the, on the podcast, like sometimes in, in a week, you will just have a weird, bogus, crazy, crazy result <laughs> i i feel like no i i, I but yeah like the like, week nine like the uh, like buffalo Bills was psychotic. like, yeah, that was like i'm not going to come on monday and like i hear people saying like oh did the broncos figure out the cowboys no they really didn't no. the cowboys just had a bad game there is no team the out there there is no team out there that pitches a perfect season except for the new england patriots who still didn't win the super bowl that mm. one year did nobody the else do it in the does 80s too uh, well, again, the 80s, the 70s. Yeah, yeah, but still, like, what are we talking you know, Like, we're talking about 50 years ago. We're talking about 50 years ago. Like, yeah, true, true, true. Like, true. this is not that age anymore. The worst can be the best. Looking at that Bills result, you try to tell me the Bills result, 9-6 to six over the Jaguars. That's going to reflect on what the Bills are going to do this week. Guess what? The Bills came out and just destroyed, annihilated, the, Jets. And yep. destroyed the Jets as the New York Post is christening Mike White. Yep. As the I was just going to bring that up. Like you, you can't be, I, I understand people have to have their takes for Monday, but you can't be that knee jerk about it. Sometimes it it's infuriating. This is, this is why I also hate arguments about trying to measure quarterbacks on their winning in the playoffs. Like sometimes you Matthew run into Stafford, a team, like the, he, statistically just, he's good, but in the playoff, like if we're talking playoffs, like Rob right. Parker hates on him. I personally, I, I try not to be biased with my takes. It's hard. No, a, a quarterback, uh, yeah. Matthew Stafford's a good quarterback. When he got traded to the Rams, I was like, okay, good for the Rams. This is an upgrade from Jared Goff. And I was, you know, I, I had to, you know, skeptical, but I wasn't like, going to hate the guy. And I was like, I, I think this is the best fit for Matt Stafford. And you're, you you're completely to... right on the uh, quarterback thing. So go, go ahead. You, you talk to former players and you talk to people who are like in front offices and they'll tell you that. And I mean, right now we're doing this during Monday Night Football where the Rams are losing to the 49ers after two Stafford turnovers, but this is what I mean. Like everyone has a bad game. Yeah. And I mean, like once you start having two or three, then you can start to, to, to raise some flags then you can start to pull the panic button a little bit. Yeah. But I, I just, I, you, you should, you should just be genuinely careful sometimes about what they say. Like I I've seen, I saw someone, coming out and like oh you thought you, y'all forgot about Patrick Mahomes like yeah no, I, I saw that he, yeah no, I didn't I mean you he tweeted had about that game. right trust or that, me, I, I oh, have I have Patrick did. Mahomes in fantasy trust me I know Pat what happened with Patrick Mahomes that game but he's also the larger the larger bevy is that he's had some pretty bad games and they're gonna have to play the Cowboys and the Broncos and the Chargers and uh the Bengals like I I think just yeah, it's 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 hard, man. This is not easy. This is not easy talking about the NFL. Some people oh. want to make it easy. Some people want to talk about it, but I feel like to talk about it wisely and earnestly is a lot more difficult. And even writers I know mess up all the time with this. Oh, I I I'm right in that you know area. I think all of us, anyone who talks sports, is in the area of messing up every once in a while. Like there's a lot of my takes where 
I, I try not to freak out. Like, you know, you know, Ben Maller, when he'll do like the uh, after one week freak out for teams he doesn't like, I try not to, but it, it just sometimes it happens because you kind of get look into everything. And I, we've all had those takes that were just, you know, like two weeks later, like, uh, you'll just like, what the hell was I thinking? No, I know. Someone, someone's tried to take me to task because I think a few weeks ago I said that DeAndre Swift, a Detroit Lions running back, he's not really that good running between the tackles. And obviously the Lions backfield has been getting pretty thin by injury. And he started running up between the tackles against the Steelers. And I had someone immediately tagging me and I'm like, I don't know, man, I don't know what to tell you. Like maybe, but I think also you can't, you can't afford to be petulant uh, covering the NFL too. You, you have to admit when you're wrong, you can't, you, you can't cling to, a take too long like if, if it doesn't look like it you you're it's not that you have to come out and say hey i was wrong in my case i just say hey look man i got new information i'm seeing how things are moving like if you want to say that i'm wishy-washy in that in that regard that's fine but i'm not going to go down with a sinking ship there's no honor in it i mean shit this is sports not politics yeah sports like, change every day every week you know like yeah. for example like the odell beckham situation here with the rams a couple of days ago I'm like, okay, this is a weird signing. This is for the name because you have Van Jefferson, who's emerging. You have Robert Woods, AF Cooper Cup. And then a day later, Cooper uh, Robert Woods tears his ACL. And you're like, okay, Odell could be a good third now. So that's just the evolving of sports. Like stuff yeah. changes so quick and it just goes like that. Like, you know, it could be, do good. Like today, everything could be good for like a team. And then tomorrow, like, I don't know. Someone could just positive for COVID. Like you just don't know. Yeah. And- I just, it's, it's, I, I understand people have to cover it to pay the bills. I, I question though, how many guys in the media, actually it's their a number one sport. I think I I've long said this is that certain winning, certain winning client guys, like you have to kind of accept that guys like Tom Brady or Michael Jordan are outliers. They're not the model to aspire to be. Yeah. Unfortunately, in America, like we aspire to be these tycoons. It's it's just I I don't know I I don't. It was like all I the kids to, a couple of years ago trying to be like Curry. Like I, I want to be the I, next Stephen Curry. <laughs> no, I mean that's that's a little bit different. But it's it's there's there's room for multitudes. I I guess I should say. And I just I it's not something I really have a coherent thought on. Clearly, as I've been rambling here, it's just. It's just something that always uh, speaks to me. Um, If I am going to take away one thing from this week, it's that I'm not really sure um, that I can really trust. uh, I mean, I I don't really know what to make of the Browns at this point. Same. I, I I just really don't know what to make of it. And I know they just got shellacked by the Patriots and everything. And it's kind of coming in and looking at a body while it's still cold. And they just smacked around the Bengals last week, but they've had, they, they've just not really been consistent. Um, and when they've played teams who are at the top there, when they've played, you know, the Cardinals and when they've played the charge chargers, they haven't looked, excuse me. They haven't looked that good. So, I mean, I, I which is kind of shocking because I now realize they're at the bottom of the AFC North that AFC North is now, gummed up every team has at least five wins 
I just don't see them. You know, we've got a whole, I think one of the things we don't realize is that we've got a whole half of a season oh, to yeah. go in front of us. Yeah. This, this season goes into January, into the middle of January now. And I think that there's a lot that can change in between, but I'm not sure that the Browns are right now that consistent, but also I never really thought too much of the Browns to start the season to begin with, just given that I gave, you know, a lot more credence to the Ravens. Yeah. Um, and other than that, like, I mean, I don't know. Well, I will say there's a lot of the, the, the league right now is very top heavy stacked. Like, like I, I look at the NFC and it's very top heavy. It's the Cowboys, the Packers, you know, the Cardinals, the Rams. Yep. And then everyone else is kind of in, in a morass. Yep. So, yeah. And then you have like the AFC, which is who knows? The Titans, I mean, right? the Titans Titan, the it looks like the clear, Titans. But even then, I don't. Who knows? Don't it's know not Derrick Henry. Who knows what's going to happen? Like, yeah, I feel like I feel like the Bills are still the better option, just given their their point differential. Oh. I also understand their point differential also comes in a lot of places from running up the score on the Texans <laughs> and the Dolphins. Yeah, I've been very high on the Bills, but uh, I, I want to add down this Browns thing too. Is they've gotten kind of the injury curse with Baker Mayfield, who is all right, but the big one, Kareem Hunt. I don't. I've been high on this guy for a while. It could just be like me with a hot take here, but he, I think he means a lot more than like what we think. Yes, Dearness Johnson, that was cool to see. I picked Dearness up in fantasy, and yes, Nick Chubb's good, but just that one two punch of Nick Chubb, Cream Hunt, was what made that Browns offense like last year when they had the pretty good year. Was that was all, in my opinion, Baker had a good year, but it was all Nick Chubb and Cream Hunt doing god's work and just yeah i don't i i i'm 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 uneasy talking about hunt just because like i remember his past his past controversy yeah i'm sorry i can't like some guys in in my business can like pave over that stuff but given my background i can't it's why i couldn't i struggled to cover a team under patricia and i can't really look at a guy like a cream hunt caught on video kicking a woman and just feel and i mean trust me it it makes me it's hard for me because he's from he went to university of toledo and toledo is my hometown like I, I was rooting for him with the Chiefs and that all just kind of fell apart. And I get he was on fire coming out for the Chiefs. I don't know if he's the same player in in Cleveland, but I'm also not covering the Cleveland Browns. So I don't have as much data available to me right now off the bat for that. Yeah. Uh, one of my takeaways too was people on Twitter and, you know, sports media overreacting to Cam Newton. It was, was it cool to see? Yeah. but. It was one game, and that's where we go. Like we were talking about earlier, the NFL is just so inconsistent. Like one day, you know, like last week, the Niners and the Cardinals, like Colt McCoy had a great game, and then yeah, yesterday I, I, he got shut out. It's just I'm I've seen Cam Newton like with the Patriots. I don't think like it's gonna be that way for the Panthers. Like like I it I think it's gonna come back to the old Cam Newton. Yes, he doesn't have to do much with like just McCaffrey being McCaffrey, but. Also, can McCaffrey stay healthy? It's just I I question that. Yeah, I here's what I would say because I I, I feel like I'm I'm getting asked to do something I don't like doing, and that um, I don't like responding to what I, I don't like. There, especially in Detroit, I have to worry about stuff like, um, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, what a lot of fans think, just because we get a lot of their questions. But I will say that. I believe very strongly that uh, I don't, when I try to run the podcast, I try not to respond to what other people are saying. I see some hosts do it being like, Oh, you know, these fans are cheering for Cam Newton. I guess my answer to that is so what, 
<laughs> uh, everyone, yeah. everyone has their opinion. And I just try to focus on my own opinion. I feel like being reactive and trying to call fans stupid or like knocking them down is just a non-starter at the end of the day. I mean, for, for my style, at least for my style, I would prefer that when I come out, my opinion is what you're going to hear. My analysis is what you're going to hear. Not me reacting to someone else's take. I despise it when I hear people say like, Hey, did you hear what, you know, Stephen A. Smith said, did you hear what Colin Cowherd said? I don't care. Like, I don't care. I'm here to, 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 to bat for myself right now. Like, yeah. So you funny you talk about that because back when I did the YouTube thing, I would uh, do, I'd react to like a take. I just was like, okay, does anyone really care about me reacting to this video? Like, no, and we all start there and we all start there. And some guys still make their whole career out of it. Sometimes like here's something someone in the media or, or a former player said, and let's, let's react to it. And like, you can do that. You can get away with that all you want. I just, I just don't care. I find that to be too much of a soap opera, to be honest. Like I just, I would much rather try to forge my own uh, narrative out of some of these places, just because I know it'll be my unique narrative at the end of the day. Yeah. I, I think that's pretty cool. Like how, and I, I try to do that, but it's just kind of hard with like the media and everything, but uh with cam newton it, it I, I agree with you i'm like okay fans are cheered from cool like i i man i i'm not too high on cam newton but dude i'm not gonna be like, i i hope this guy doesn't do good i'm I, if he does good cool man i don't care he did good but like well i think if he does good you do care but i again like as i said like it's one game data needed it's a cool moment and i think it's it's fine to say that it's a cool moment without immediately saying well hold up we should throw water on this and you know what about all these other stats for cam and suddenly stats are flying out of your mouth and like what about this like it's football maims players at an alarming degree it destroys them constantly guys get drummed out of this league constantly uh even i mean that and that's been the way for years i remember one of the great lions players billy sims i think he only played like four years or whatever uh you never know what these guys do until they're gone so a guy like cam newton going out there getting a second shot even though he's only on the field for a little bit of time that's cool yeah it's really cool i don't i don't need to have a take whether or not if that's good for carolina or if it's a bust i just we we do something different with our podcast and i think that's why i enjoy the podcast format because I feel sometimes there's a lot of talk of, and I get this from a lot of the radio old heads. It's like, this is how you need to talk about guys or like, this is what, how we're supposed to do radio. And I don't, I don't agree with that. I believe in being entertaining. I believe in being a firebrand. I know I haven't really shown it here, but if you listen to our podcast, I'm the one who's cackling. I'm the one who's kind of having fun with a lot of things. And like, yeah, um, like, as I said, I listened, uh, like Dan Lebetard was a big inspiration for me. Scott Van Pelt, was a big inspiration for me. They weren't these guys like Mike Francesa or Colin Coward delivering hot takes. It was guys who realize, I even heard this from Rob, sports are supposed to be fun. And we have kind of created with Pride of Detroit, like a hole for people to come into and have fun. And that's where I, that's how I pattern myself. If I'm not having fun with an argument, then I just don't want to have it. Uh, yeah, I actually agree with that too. And that's kind of why, Say what I'll say about Ben Maller, but like his first monologue is the serious hot take. And then the rest of the hour is, you know, you have like the pick or, you know, Coop doing the third degree or whatever. But the rest of that is it's all just, you know, half the time a caller calls like, 
I don't know, like Blind Scott or someone like that, where it's not sports, man. It's just BS and funny. And Ben will, you know, when Ben and Coop get into it and they're passionate, that's what I'm entertained by that too. And a lot of people don't like to make like, you know, a lot of people don't like to look at the arguments, but I feel like that's a thing in sports radio with like the arguments and Coop and Ben, they're doing it just because, you know, they're passionate on their takes. They don't have any beef for each other because two minutes later after the argument, Coop's like, normal like doing a third degree and you could tell he's not mad like triggered coops hilarious but like it it he doesn't like hold grudges and you, you could tell it's all in fun it's all in the show and ben and jonas are my two inspirations jonas obviously different reason because his story is just crazy to me I, like, I i would i would say like as you should always expand your horizons for it they're 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 very good but they have a very authoritative style on doing radio. I, I always tell people too, like, and I, I, this is one thing I appreciate about them from the guys you're talking about is that you don't have a lot of time to grab people anymore. It used to be you like anyone could just turn on the radio and you'd be there. But like with so many podcasts out there and YouTube shows and other things, you have to kind of carve out your niche. And that's always why I've never really been one who wants to imitate someone else or do the same thing as someone else. It's why it's what's made us work with pride of Detroit. It's why we're now like the second on SB nation. We have the second most unique listeners behind this goddamn empire that is bleeding green nation. And we have a massive amount of downloads and it's why it just works. Even though I'm sure like if I went to Detroit and said, Hey, you know, 97.1, I'm Chris Perfett from pride of Detroit. They wouldn't know who I am, but yeah, that's fine. I don't care. Yeah. And I, I I, I've, I, my, my long-term goals, probably if, if I get a show down the road, that's cool. If not, then, I mean, I don't know. I could be writing fantasy novels in a couple of years. I don't know where I'm at. Yeah, exactly. And my, my thing, too, is, like, I'm new to this. You, you've been in the game a little longer than I have. I'm still trying to find that niche. Like, I, I do, you know, interviews. I do solopods, whatever. But the way that the work that you guys have put in at Pride of Detroit to find that unique, you know, unique like viewing experience i guess is a way to put it where you guys make fun out of the lines losing or you know the lines shenanigans like they should be i just i just don't i don't have time and, to just keep screaming about the lions I just that's don't. a thing too like i one of my goals like i i'd love to do this but if i could figure out the unique way that's not copying people is to Make like a podcast about one of my teams, whether it be the Seahawks, the Blazers. Yeah, like, I mean, that's that's fine. Like, I mean, as I said, you should have heard it from my, I mean, you've heard it from my story. I just started podcasting because like I had nothing better to do. I just started and I found small niches along the way and I turned those over into bigger niches. And, you know, here I am, I guess. I I don't know if I'm really that big or important. I I'm certainly don't think I am. Um, but you know, I think there's too much imposter syndrome already in sports talk in sports media. So I'm not going to play that up too much. It's just that I'm just a bit of a doomer sometimes. Uh, but yeah, like (laughs) I just, it's, you find your niche, like everyone's got a tiny niche. And I always remember the best thing that I ever learned was, I know there used to be a website on SB nation called every day should be Saturday. And the guys would run the podcast that still goes on the shutdown full cast. And the psychotic way they talk about college football, like was an inspiration. Like they don't talk about college football by like lining up and talking about uh, things that make sense. It's more of a comedy podcast than anything, but that's fine. Like 
people want to have fun with sports. And sometimes fun doesn't mean lining up to call in and yelling about how this team sucks or we need to trade for so-and-so. Like, if you want to be invested like that, that's fine. I just, that's not my speed. Um, I have people who challenge me all the time and be like, oh, Chris, you must be upset as a Lions fan or you must be pretty depressed as a Lions fan. Yeah, like Ben Maller a couple weeks ago. I remember you were in Verberto and he he did that. And you're like, I don't care. Like, yeah, I don't I can't play that game. I can't play that game because there's too many people like that in Detroit already. I need to not be like that. I need to be someone different. I don't process. As I said, as a late bloomer in sports, I don't process sports like that either. I process sports very differently. It is a it is a sideshow. It is a is an awful gladiatorial blood sport when it comes to football, but it's a sideshow at the end of the day. And it's not for me the end all be all. We live on a planet that is baking right now, that we're going to keep seeing, you know, temperatures rising and and dude, this and summer in Washington was crazy. Never had it's those crazy. It's crazy. Ever. You should like if, if anyone wants to understand, like go follow what's coming out of COP26 right now or about how. We're trying to keep it under a 2.5 degree Celsius increase worldwide, then convert that into Fahrenheit and see what that is. Like at the end of the day, this is a balm. This is something to distract people. Sometimes that distraction is warranted. Sometimes I feel like we distract ourselves a little bit too much. The Roman bread and circuses line and all that. But, but I just, so I just don't, I, I, I've never insisted that this needs to be a very serious thing. Why, why does it need to be serious? So, and I mean, I might be, I might sound serious about myself, but that's just because again, like this is kind of who I am when I step away from the mic, when I'm on a mic, I will be cheery. I will be cackling. When I step away from it, I have to deal with my depression. I have to deal with my PTSD. I have to deal with all these other things, but the minute I get in front of it, I am not me. I am someone else. I am an avatar for someone else, for someone else's enjoyment and entertainment the the stage is up we welcome you to the damn show like yes that is that is a that is we all wear masks and don't let anyone ever tell you that they are the raw unvarnished person because that's that's a lie like but we all like masks masks personalities around different people masks aren't always bad sometimes they're they're fine sometimes they're fine we need them like it's i i i like i i i'm a very spiritual person i believe and like I believe in certain things like I always read up about, you know, God dances and calling people down to, sorry, old, old stupid Shinto stuff. I've been reading too much about my, my point though, is that there's roles to be played. And as the way I see it for my podcast, I have a role to play. Yeah, that's, uh, I, that's a good way of looking at it. And I feel like a lot of people don't look at it that way. And it's like, when I go, like, I'll go on, like, a normal sports podcast, like, I don't know, just some random one, and it will just be, oh, so uh, takeaways from this game. I'll go on Pride of Detroit, and you guys are engaging with chat. Uh, like, yesterday, I was in there, like, in between games, and Jeremy was doing the the shot of hot sauce, and it's just a yeah, lot of... This, this This is a big month for us with that charity drive. Oh, yeah. Sure. I, I the, It's cool to see, and you guys give back to the community with, you know, the donations of the charity, and uh, to tonight if i get this up tonight uh this is monday november 15th is the last day to donate uh i tweeted no no well no no not not the last day to donate it's so we have it split between two charities right now so this is the last, last day to it, donate to the first one right yes to the yeah. prostate cancer found uh research foundation which was championed by my guy ryan matthews um starting on the 16th until the end of the month we will be donating to rain the rape abuse 
and Incest uh, National Network, which is a charity I chose, which, as I said at the start, it I holds have your heart. Yep. it's not especially for I, I wish I had found something a little closer for for male resources, but there's just not a lot out there. They partner with one in six. And it's something that that like hopefully will mean something there. I know it's not as easy. We you can always just run around yelling "fuck cancer" and everything. That's always cool, but like you this have to is do little, something about it. Yeah, this is a little this is a little deeper, and especially in sports, I think we just ignore about these things all the time, and we just let these kind of things go to pass. And that's why I wrote the thing about micah parsons it's why i wrote the thing about matt patricia like i did and micah parsons didn't do like you know sexual assault let's be clear but i don't believe in anyone being that abusive for any reason and like we can valorize especially in sports like well that's just how a locker room is i don't see it like that i don't maybe that means i'm soft i don't know but guess what you're not going to force me out of talking about sports like to do this stupid brotherhood thing or like boys will be boys or that's just how it is locker rooms are nasty it does nothing for me we should be better about that as people we should be better about that as men i'm not saying like there, there's every time we have these conversations about men there's always this idea of like well you're feminizing men or you're you're demasculine being you know i i don't need emasculating men like no i'm i'm i am positing for a new masculinity i am positing for one that is all about responsibility about about honor about about just doing the right thing no matter what no matter how much it hurts and living by that i i grew up reading conan the barbarian stories and the one thing that always struck me about that there's the great line and i'm sorry i'm way off in the left field with this one but hey, there man, is a great content a, i like it <laughs> no no there's a great thing line from conan the barbarian um, from, from a poem about it that Robert E. Howard wrote about, you know, gigantic melancholies and gigantic mirth. Like it, it's, it's a character that stuck with me forever, not because he's just a guy who goes and kills, you know, dragons and monsters and sorcerers and, and, you know, sweeps a woman off her feet or whatever, but Robert E. Howard's characters, Conan and all the rest, are very introspective. They're very brooding and they're never, ever, ever dishonorable. They have these lines that they just do not cross, that they that that are are part of what has been in their being since time immemorial. And I truly believe in that. I truly believe that there are codes of honor anyone can follow, but you can't make excuses for it. You can't just push it or you can't just come up with these excuses of, well, I know this person They're They, they're not like that. You have to stay true to them without yeah. question. And it hurts like hell. Like when it's like, we just talked about cream hunt earlier, it hurts like hell, but like you can't it's just like life, if, man, if you, it's not even that it's like, if you cross that even once, if you let your guard slip, you lose your value. And I just, I believe in that. I believe in that value at any cost. Yeah, uh, I know we, we're going super long, but like on the time here, but it, I, I no, like it. No, it's fine. It's fine. Like, uh, we can wrap it up. <laughs> I, no, I got, no, I trust me. I actually have like one more question and knowing us because we sure, talk, I'll sure. turn to more. Uh, Dan Campbell, new Lions head coach. What are your thoughts on him? Like what I personally, I'll give mine real quick. I like him. I like his enthusiasm. And I, I, I think once this line team gets rebuilt, 
I, I actually could see Dan Campbell being very successful. There's, uh, he's just overall enthusiastic guy. And like, he's had some crazy comments in the past, but I think it just shows his character of how willing he is to help the franchise. I think the cool thing that's happened this year is that he didn't get pilloried like a Ben McAdoo sort. Um, I start, we saw it with people bringing up this idea of like, Hey, uh, you know, like, Oh, these silly things he says about kneecaps, ha ha ha. Or he's not acting like a coach, but then you realize very quickly, this is what I mean about first blushes and getting beneath the surface. I, I understand he's not a defensive or offensive coordinator and that's not the hot shot thing, but plenty of guys like Andy Reed was never a coordinator. And not only that, like Dan Campbell was a former player into the two thousands. He was with those winless lines actually. Um, and he, when he moved over from that, he, you know, he was a tight, I think he was a tight ends coach in Miami and he had that aborted year in like 2015 where Joe Philbin got fired four games in the season and suddenly he has to coach 12 games. And that's when he kind of became a bit of a meme because he was a meathead there. And it's like, okay, fine, whatever. And I think he ended up like, I think he got like four wins with the Dolphins, which like, again, for an interim guy who was a positional coach taking over, that's one thing. But then he goes to New Orleans and he's the assistant head coach to Sean Payton for many years. He gets, he, he takes care of a lot of the stuff that Sean Payton can't be bothered to take care of. But nobody talks about that when they talk about Dan Campbell. They talk about the kneecaps line. They talk about his enthusiasm. Yeah, he's a former player. I think what makes him different is that is, is that former player. And you see that in how he's built his staff. Look at like all the guys who are on his staff. Deuce Staley, running backs coach, former player. Anthony Lynn, former player. Aaron Glenn, former player. Uh, crap, why am I forgetting about... Uh, um, Aubrey Pleasant, former player, I think the wide receivers coach. Yeah, Antoine Randall L is their wide receivers coach. He hired a bunch of former players. Why did he do that? Because former players want to become coaches, but there is a different track for coaches now. And like the most, some coaches have played in the NFL in football have usually been like lower division football. Like Matt Patricia, for example, peaked around Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. These guys all played in the NFL like 15 years ago and they want to be coaches like guys like Deuce Staley is getting the role that that he used to have under Sean Payton because he wants to be there. And like, look, Dan Campbell played under Bill Parcells like so he has that there. He should have that coaching tree assigned to him. And instead, like that matters. And it's a lot of experimentation and it might not work because it's the lions and better men have failed trying to coach the lions. But I, <laughs> I think what he's done. And I think I hear it best about this idea of culture change. I would say it's more than a culture change. It's trying to change the entire paradigm of what it means to be a coach that you can come out and be a former NFL player. And you're not just a positional coach shoved off to the side. I forgot Mark Brunel, Mark yep. Brunel is the quarterback's coach. And I know he had a stint on, on, on TV, but like that, I remember playing as Mark Brunel and Madden for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Like this is a staff built out of former players that wants to do things like former players. He has a vision in mind on what he wants. He is more than willing to let guys, his, his staff do what he, what they need to do rather than tinkering on one side of the ball or another. And it's a grand experiment. And at this point, the Lions have nothing to lose with a grand experiment. They're staring down the end of their era 
which, you know, Stafford gone is the end of an era where they were competitive for about a good, uh, you know, 10 years or so. And now there's like the last thing they want is to go back to the 2000s, but you have to take this. You have to kind of break the mold and try to do something different. And I like it. I like it right now. It might not work out, but damn it. They tried the smart Patriot way type of stuff. It didn't work. Yeah. So why not try this? Yeah, I, I, I actually agree with that. Like pretty, you know, it, it, it's a good point because you, like you said, you lose your, uh, air, like th- your era quarterback, like you're a whole nother era. It's going to be a pretty big rebuild. Who knows how long it's going to take? Like hopefully not too long, but Hey, if it takes a while, then that's just a game of football. He, he is signed to a six year contract. I think people need to realize that the lions yeah. are in him in with him for the long haul. Now, obviously that contract can be torn up, but it's not going to be torn up in a couple of years. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's a good signing and it, it, like six years that's a that's a hell of a long time and with the lines though you kind of need a long time because you know you have to get all these pieces from the draft to sign these fragile guys so personally i i like the hiring i like like just he, it's interesting and i like maybe if this like whole player coach like players turn to coaches and you know having that as your coaching staff if this works for the lions i mean shoot maybe like the whole well, nfl like yeah, I mean, like we, we already like saw it in that. Players like Aaron, Aaron Glenn was being wanted, like the Chicago Bears wanted Aaron Glenn to be their defensive coordinator. He chose Detroit because he wanted to coach underneath a, another former player. Yeah. And we talk about the brotherhood of former play, of players who played in the NFL. That is a very strong thing. Yeah. And yeah, I don't think the brotherhood of coaches out there right now, like the Belichick types, really respect too much of these former players. They'll put them in positional coaches but you'll rarely see a former player rise up to like to do what Anthony, I mean, Anthony Lynn did it, but it was very aborted, but it's hard to see NFL former players get those (coughs) chances to be the big, the guys like, 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 uh, um, like uh, Sala or to be, or to be Kyle Shanahan to, to really lead, you know, scheme up things and lead offenses and lead defenses. And he's giving these guys, opportunity and a lot of black players too operate in in a league that has trouble getting black head coaches to do these things as well like he is really the the experiment might not work but it's damn commendable what i said the experiment might not work but it's damn commendable yeah and it, it it's like i feel like like you said though like the line just you have nothing to lose shoot your shot yeah. if it doesn't yeah. work it doesn't work uh Man, I really uh, thanks for coming on the uh, Blindside Sports podcast. This is Chris Perfett. He's not perfect. He's Perfett. C H R I S P E R F E T T on Twitter. And Chris, is there anything else you want to shout out? Like you took a lot of your time to come on this podcast, and I, I really liked you and your point of view. It was different and very interesting. Like I was very entertained by your. Story no, I don't, and- I don't have anything else. Just again, like we have that donation charity drive going and uh, it, it means a lot to us right now, if we can get people to, to donate to it. And I can see, I'm looking at our stream right now. We've already laid, raised close to $7,000. And wow. obviously we have upward goals of like, you know, 10,000, 50,000. Uh, I don't know if we're going to hit those, but 
this is the second year we've done it and it's we're already like blowing past what we did last year and it's been fantastic yeah go go donate to that charity these like, are two it, good causes these are two oh very good causes. for sure and it yeah. you know people need this like we we need you know to donate to charity go do it uh listen to the Punt of detroit podcast too like we said it's very unique and very entertaining worth your time chris i just gotta say man like thanks for coming on the podcast i really had fun and hey man maybe I'll have you on, you know, for a little segments and more line talk when stuff breaks. Uh, <laughs> Anytime, man. All right. Yeah, it was a good time. Thank you, Chris. Mm-hmm. Hold up. I got to stop it. Yep.